Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the ProLabs podcast. This podcast is all about fiber optics in the networking industry. We talk in-depth about industry trends, product solutions, as well as the best networking strategies for small and large organizations. My name is John Eichel, and I'm the Chief Strategy Officer at ProLabs. And joining me today is our co-host, Ray Hagen. Hi, my name is Ray Hagen. I'm a global product manager at, at um, ProLabs. In this episode, we're very excited to talk about a new lineup of compatible optics to extend your 100 gig network while improving efficiency and lowering costs. So John, I guess this is kind of our good to see you again. I guess this is our um, our holiday special, I guess, if you could say it here. We're in the middle of December. We could tell the backdrop there. You got some uh, nice holiday decorations going on. Yeah, thank you. Welcome, welcome. And, and we are nearing the end of the home stretch of 2020 and excited to bring this final podcast for the year to you uh, and ready to kick off all of the new technologies. Absolutely. We're almost, not quite, but almost to the point we can start talking about New Year's resolutions. So maybe I'll change something in my backdrop by the next podcast. Maybe I'll have some books or something that will make my, us look smarter. My New Year's resolution will be have the holiday decorations down before the next podcast. And so uh, you right. can, can see my laziness sometimes. So Ray, we're going to talk about uh, 100 gig technologies and kind of how to get beyond the short reach. So, um, you know, 100 gig in the data center with short reach and um, multi-mode, multi-mode optical cables is is super straightforward. Uh, 10 kilometer, 100 gig transmission has been around for a while. And so today we'll, we'll talk a little bit about how to get to 40 and then what's beyond 40, 80 kilometers and, and beyond that, and the multiple kind of options that are available for, for network operators. Yeah, absolutely. We're seeing that the, one of the big uh, challenges that service providers, especially in, in data center, centers as well, is solving, you know, pushing 100 gig beyond 40 kilometers. That's the number one challenge we've heard for the last several years. So, you know, luckily now there's several different options for customers to use that allow them to do so and at varying efficiency levels, right? So different price points, depending upon what your needs are. So we'll walk through a few of those today for everyone here on the podcast, uh, from the, po- on the pod- podcast. Um, so we'll talk about three solutions. Like, First of all, be the CFP two DCO. So you know, John, you know, coherent communication has been around for a long time. So CFP two DCO is probably not a new product, but you know, what's been your experience working with uh, you know co- coherent and, and CFP two DCO, and what what uh, benefits and challenges do you think it presents to, to operators? Sure. So CFP two DCO was was probably the first um, pluggable coherent technology that existed on the marketplace. So Prior to this, uh, this module, most of the coherency existed in the host platform, whether it was um, a transmission platform like a, a DWDM shelf or line card or a router or switch itself. The, the coherency, the, the mathematical capabilities um, existed kind of in the line card or in the shelf. And so you saw that with the CFP ACO and, and technologies kind of prior to the DCO. And in DCO technology, the idea was to put the coherent DSP and processor into the pluggable module. And ideally, the cost of entry would be lower for a network operator to buy the shelf or chassis because you were paying for the DSP as you actually lit the port and inserted the, the pluggable optic. And so it, it kind of brought the, 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 the barrier of cost of entry down 
for the operator on the platform. Um, but it also meant every time you needed to turn up a new port, the cost to turn up that port was more expensive. So it became less of a pay up front and more of a pay as you grow. What was the premise behind CFP2DCO? You know, the, the adoption has been kind of lackluster. So you can find with almost all of the major equipment manufacturers, a couple of platforms or line cards in each of their portfolio that support CFP2DCO. But I wouldn't describe it as the most widely uh, deployed socket on the marketplace. And usually it's only in more expensive systems to start with. And the concept is IP over DWDM. So you skip the DWDM shelf and you basically have an IP device, a router or a switch outputting uh, tunable wavelengths um, into a, a usually a gridded DWDM system. So it's, it's, it's there, it, it works, it's tried and true. Those modules are expensive and they need quite a bit of power because the module itself has got a DSP. Um, you have limited uh, selection, I think, in your OEM platforms uh, in terms of, of compatibility or, or a socket. But good news is ProLabs has you covered. If CFP2DCO is in your technology roadmap, um, we've productized and been shipping that product for quite a while now. Um, Ray, you want to talk a little bit about our, our compatibility with with DCO and non-DCO ports and kind of the value proposition that ProLabs has over perhaps a, a competitor? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, ProLabs has invested uh, heavily into uh, providing OEM compatible CP2 DCO optics. So we're, we're, we've got um, you know, systems in-house where we can test CP2 Cisco, uh, CP2 uh, DCO Arista amongst other um, leading providers. Another thing too we can do in-house is, you know, for um, ports that, you know, aren't DCO capable. We can pre-configure a CP2 DCO um, a plug or, or transceiver in-house to any given wavelength the customer may want and make it compatible with a, a non-DCO port as well and ship it to the customer in that manner and provide them with um, the advantages perhaps of longer reach and the DWDM aspect of it. I think be one of the primary um, benefits there. That's one of the areas of value we can also provide. So conceptually, like an extended compatibility, if you will, for systems yeah. that where an OEM may not provide a, a DCO solution. That's exactly it, right. So, you know, pros and cons of this, um, you know, pros, it's pay as you grow. It, it has very long reach, so 80 kilometers native, but with coherency, many of these can go thousands of kilometers in an optical line system without regeneration. Um, lots of... of kind of the ultimate in flexibility and tunability, um, cons really high cost per port, um, pretty significant power consumption uh, compared to other 100 gig transmission technologies, um, and limited options, just the number of OEM platforms that, that have the socket. Ray, is that a, a pretty good summary on, on CFP2 DCO? Yeah, absolutely. I think you know, one of the, the challenges many of our service provider customers have is just, you know, on top of that, it's um, on CP2 DCO. It's the it's the cost report. I think you know there's additional licensing fees and things like that. Every OEM is a little bit different in how they provide it. So you know those are all those all those different costs all weigh into the overall TCO of the product. So the pay as you grow isn't just the module, but perhaps a per socket licensing for the coherency software. So the DSP is on the the 
the module, but the DSP needs a software component from the host. And, right. and some of these, uh, the vast majority of these OEMs are, are charging for that functionality yep. in, a, in a license exactly model. Very interesting. So it's an option. Um, we, we certainly are proud to support it. We were one of the earliest to market with the product and, and extended compatibility. Um, but since CFP2DCO, a couple of other technologies have come along that are, that are equally, if not more interesting, uh, both in terms of function and form factor. Ray, you wanna kind of talk about the next option? Absolutely. So, you know, today in data center interconnect and in other um, uh, long reach type scenarios, a PAM4 DWDM product is, uh, is you know, has up until, you know, last year, it's definitely picked up a lot of, a lot of momentum. And this is a two by 50 gig DWDM uh, PAM4 module. So it fits in a QSFP28 form factor, which um, is a much cheaper, right, um, per port um, technology than the CFP2 DCO. It's got a couple of um, couple of cons in the marketplace. Is one there's there's competing standards between the, the different providers of this technology. So you've got some providers who offer um, two 50 gig wavelengths, um, kind of multiple mucks together as they come out of the transceiver. That then must go through a um, you know limit some of the mux options that customers can offer. Okay. And then there's also a um, two by 50 gig that um, does transmit over um, two pairs of two different pairs of fibers. So therefore it uses two MUX ports. But the industry, that, industry standard gridded MUXs then. Right, right. Industry standard 100 gigahertz MUX. And so that's, um, you know, that those are some of the, the trade-offs there. I think in both instances, though, one of the big things is the upfront cost for customers because they need to provide their own amplification and dispersion compensation for them to go even 40 kilometers, let alone 80 kilometers. So that's, um, you know, is not clean, right? Not as clean as say a CP2DCO might be, but depending upon what your, what your application may be, if you're just going a couple of um, only one or two links, you're like, yeah, that's not, you know, probably not there, but if you're going more than two links, it probably the, the you know, the ROI might be there on those particular technologies. And Ray, aren't, aren't there some you know complications in terms of operational complexity? So, creating that open line system with amplification requires the ability to engineer the link in terms of uh, calculating the dispersion characteristics and and loss of the link, and then per channel power balancing uh, in a fairly manual environment. So. If you rewind DWDM systems as we think of them today, rewind them 10 years or 15 years, all of that manual intervention is, is still pretty prevalent then in the open line system, correct? Absolutely. In open line systems, you know, you can, to your point, you know, you can do it yourself. Why DIY, build up your whole link, calculate all your calculations, up to getting everything auto-magically auto done for you, right? And the amount you pay is commiserate, right, with your effort that goes into it. So that's one thing for operators, you know, you can go from, you know, per, you know from a very paltry, you know, you know, four, five, six, you know, less than 10 grand up to you know, 35, 40 grand to have all these different things part, put together. So there's a, there's a, um, or higher, right? Um, so there's a, a large range of costs and complexity that goes into that, that, you know, everyone needs to keep in, keep in mind. And, um, and for that reason, you know, we've kind of seen in the market that technology's kind of hit its head a little bit in terms of its um, its applicability, just because 
if you're looking at you know high density or higher density anyway you know it, it might work out um if you're looking at so, low density it's not a great value prop right now from what we can see that first that first link is very very expensive and then yes if you kind of think of it over over 20 40 or, or more 100 gig links the amortized cost of that barrier of entry is is much lower so so unlike the CFP2 DCO, where the first link um, really doesn't cost more than the DCO modules, the PAM4 link has, a, has an initial infrastructure build that, that's absolutely required to make even one, one circuit operate. But you get some flexibility. Um, and these open line systems are generally point to point only. So they're not intended for complicated ring or, or optical add drop sites along a path. They're, they're generally point A to point B um, and then regenerated with another point A to point B as it, as it moves along you know, a, a traffic. So, so unlike a, a DWDM line system, the, the ability to what, what we would refer to as express through a site uh, gets even more complicated because you have no power balancing you know, functionality. Absolutely. Yeah, um, that's a great point. To, so it's an interesting, you know, interesting, uh, uh, technology. I, I like the fact that it's a QSFP 28. So I think, you know, unlike that, that CFP two slot, um, there are very few, if any hundred gig platforms on the marketplace that, that don't support QSFP 28 at this point. So it's absolutely the commodity slot in terms of, of, uh, um, selection in the OEM, you know, manufacturer, um, uh, platforms. Any, any thoughts on, on, you know, PAM4 beyond, you know, the, the bifurcated supply chain and technology is, is extremely complicated. So you mentioned the, the dual lambda on dual fiber and the dual lambda on single fiber and the, the muxing issues. Yeah, I think you know, one thing we're seeing, you know, in the 100 gig world is the, the single lambda. That is becoming a reality in our, in our gray optics world. So, you know, it's just a matter of time before it catches up here in the DWDM world. And probably the biggest problem, right, market problem that needs to be solved with this is the amount of power required by the module. So, um, you know, the PAM4 modules today use somewhere in the neighborhood of six and a half watts or, you know, six to six and a half watts. And so that's, that's a lot of power for a regular QSFP28 port to support. So the new, um, so these sorts of new um, uh, technologies are gonna have to reduce power and so to do power that, and thermal, yeah, thermal. Yeah, yeah. So you know, so I know some new DSPs coming into the market are going to be smaller, going to use less power that will support um, you know, single lambda, 100, 100 gig uh, DWDM. I suspect that here over the next year um, to eighteen months, you know, we'll see some real developments in that area where I think that technology is going to be a lot more accessible. And Ray, we 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 kicked this off kind of mentioning that there were, there were three options on the marketplace. And I think one of the, one of the demands in the, in the market since, since I've been in the operator space was what if I just need one simple 100 gig that needs to go further than 40 kilometers. So I, I need to interconnect two sites at a hundred gig. Um, I don't need uh, DWDM necessarily. Um, I just need distance. Um, What's, what's out there, you know, we, we know that there's a kind of an ER solution to get right around 40 kilometers, but what's out there now to get beyond 40 if, if you just need a, a simple 
kind of single lambda solution that's not DWDM. Yeah, absolutely. So the new um, QSP28 100 gig ZR4 solution is new on the market. And this is a gray optic solution. And to your point, John, you know, we're, you know, in this um, current shift or under to getting more bandwidth out to the access network, this is coming at a really opportune time where we can go 100 gig up to 80 kilometers on that gray optic. So if you're, um, if you're moving, um, increasing your bandwidth out to the edge of the network, you're not going to have the whole long haul redundancy and things like that that you need to leverage you know, multiple wavelengths or multiple connections. You may have a 10 gig connection today, you need to go to 100 gig. And I think that's what we're seeing is that 10 gig to 100 gig is, is really the driver here that's going to make this optic uh, really be very, um, very much in demand here as we move into 2021. And Ray, when we, when we think about uh, gray optic, just to kind of clarify it for, mm -hmm. for our, our viewers, this is a, a traditional single lambda, um, 1310 nanometer over duplex single mode fiber with an LC connector. So literally what an end user might have experienced with a 10 kilometer or 40 kilometer optic is now a drop-in replacement, 100 gig, 80 kilometer transceiver, correct? Yeah, it's a 100 gig drop in place. So if you have a 10 gig uh, ZR today in place and you want to upgrade that to 100 gig, you can drop in a 100 gig ZR4 today and it will upgrade that link. So yeah, it will be a, a, um, a drop in upgrade without any additional, additional um, amplification or anything like that. It should be a, a, a direct upgrade. They say all good things that sound too good to be true might be. So let's talk about kind of the cons or the, the potential drawback of the QSFP 28ZR4. I think they're fairly limited. The technology is robust and it's reliable. The links work, uh, throughput is good, but um, to get 80 kilometers on a 1310 nanometer laser, I, I would guess you need quite a bit of power. So would you, you wanna kind of elaborate on kind of that one, that one gotcha, you, you mentioned it uh, on the PAM4, I think it's just as, is potentially relevant here, maybe not quite as bad. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the power does, it does use quite a bit of power. So you're talking anywhere from five, you know, five to five watt to six watt type of power is what these, these particular transceivers use. Uh, the other, I wouldn't call that gotcha, but the other thing to keep in mind is that it does require a FEC on the link to go 80 kilometers. So FEC is required, but, you know, considering that, you know, FEC is used in, you know, nearly, you know, whole lot of applications today, it's probably not that big of a deal. But th those are the only real gotchas there, I think, other than the fact you can only do one connection, right, over that. But over other that than that, you know, you're over that fire repair. But other than that, you know, that's, that comes with the territory with this, with this optic. And Ray, the ProLabs QSFP 28DR4 is a fairly new product, but um, my understanding is we're now shipping it in volume into the carrier uh, space and and we're hearing tremendously positive feedback on the simplicity of of completing a link upgrade. Um, you mentioned the drop in from from ten to one hundred. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, we're shipping with OEM compatibility today. Um, I think we've got all the major uh, OEMs covered today. You know, Cisco, uh, Juniper, etc. I think you know, there's a couple OEMs out there that you know the power doesn't quite work out with, but that's pretty well known in the industry and. Uh, you know, there's other ways to work around that, I suppose. Um, you know, I think the big thing, as you mentioned there, is just, you know, this whole nature of, of 10 gig to 100 gig, really. That's what our customers are coming to us for and asking us for. And that's, you know, where this particular um, 
where we're seeing the opportunity here and, and where it's going to ship in volume. You know, it's, it's really exciting to see the continued evolution to 100 gig. Um, you know, having started my career when, when we thought 10 megabits was, was the fastest thing on the planet, um, and then 100 came along and we thought we'd never use more than 100 megabits and then gigabit and then 10 gigabit and now 40 and 100. And we're already seeing, you know, 400 gig uh, shipping and volume in the data center and 800 gig on the, on the, on the horizon, very near horizon. The, uh, the excitement around kind of throughput and the, the hunger for, for information and bandwidth just continues to drive the, the industry and, and our business in really new and interesting ways. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think when we look at this optic, you know, 80 kilometers, uh, 100 gig, you know, so probably, you know, you know, probably four years ago when the QSP 28, 100 gig really got on the market, you know, it was, oh man, we can go 10, 10 kilometers with this. And then you know, 30 kilometers with, you know, 40 kilometers of fact with the ER4 light. And here we are at, you know, 80 kilometers. And, you know, this is what they, you know, that 80 kilometers, you know, 100 gig has been, has been the driver for a very long time. So we're extremely excited about this product. We're extremely excited about the 100 gig moving into the access and glad we could be part of this, uh, part of the solution. Excellent. Well, I think that's gonna do it for this episode of our podcast. I want to wish everyone a very sincere, happy holidays and safe new year. Thank you for listening to this episode. Please make sure to give us a review on Apple Podcasts and also subscribe to the ProLabs YouTube channel you want to see the video version of this podcast. For any questions about ProLabs or any of our products and solutions, please visit us at www.prolabs.com. Thanks again. We'll see you at the next episode.